Yo, dog, I love you. Let's go put on some eyelashes together. <laughs> what is up, you sexy bastards? It is your boy, Switzerland, a.k.a. Rob, I can't lose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. Today is again answering your questions number 10, a.k.a. DS. You guys have submitted questions at okdork.com slash asknoah. And if you haven't asked a question yet or you want to talk about marketing, startups, business, living in Spain, eating tacos, playing ping pong, whatever it is, go to okdork.com slash asknoah. Today's three questions are, number one, how did you hire your first people at appsumo.com? Number two, how do you decide your marketing allocation, top, middle, and lower a funnel? And number three, do you have a process for finding and interviewing contract copywriters and more? Let's dive into the show. There's going to be those three questions and a lot of ear nuggets for you to enjoy all along the way. And if y'all haven't signed up for the email list at appsumo.com, it is the number one site online for software deals. So if you are starting or growing an online business, if you are a freelancer, an agency, go to appsumo.com slash Noah and join the email list. Let's dive into the show. Question number one from Hubert Cote. Damn, what a cool last name. Hello, Noah. I am a solo founder and hit 30,000 in top line revenue with 15,000 profit last month selling an Excel budget template and an online course on personal finance 101. Hubert, big props, man. I think one thing I got to call out before you even finish this question is that so many people are always like, what's next? What did it? I've only made one sale. I've only got $100. I hope you're giving yourself enough credit and props for what you've accomplished. And for everyone else out there, if you've got stuff going, give yourself a little love today. Hubert was wondering, how did you compensate your first hire at AppSumo? Question mark. I have 100% of the equity right now, and I'm thinking about giving away 10% of the business to build the core team. Is it the right way to approach comp? This is a really tricky and very interesting question about compensation across the board. As when you're hiring people, a lot of what hiring is, is incentives. Have I lined up their incentives to the incentives of the company or whatever it is that you want, Hubert? So I'm just going to tell you, the first person I hired at AppSumo.com was a guy named Matt Smith. And so the way I've always thought about hiring is that if there is a bottleneck in terms of growth, what's the first thing I can do that would increase the amount of growth? And for me, number one thing right away was sales, because I could only go get so many AppSumo deals for AppSumo.com. So I was like, if I can get another person to get it, we could double the amount of sales. We could probably double the amount of revenue. And so I wasn't making a lot of money. I think the first year I paid myself about zero dollars. I reinvested all the profits back into the business. And so with Matt Smith, I gave him 25% of all the revenue of any deal he closed. And the way to think about hiring in the beginning, there's kind of like three phases of hiring is what I've observed. There's you hire a warm body, you hire someone smart, and then you hire someone who's an expert. And if you haven't hired a lot of people, go out and practice it. It is a skill. There is a lot to learn about it, how to figure out who's going to be great, who's going to be great for you, how to get rid of somebody right away. And so with Matt, and I think a lot of people, you hear the excuse, I don't have money. Well, I didn't even pay Matt a lot of money. I just said, hey, we're making some money, but if you sell, you get to make a lot and there's no limit to that upside. And a funny story with that, in the beginning of it, he made you know 1,000 a month, 500 a month, 2,000 a month. And then one month he made $25,000. And so I paid him what I promised him. But over time it was like, hey, this is just not sustainable for our business. Let's renegotiate what kind of compensation. So in terms of compensation for the first hire, that was with Matt. With customer support, I think it was somewhere like 10 bucks an hour. I found someone in Florida and then my girlfriend at the time was also helping out. And Chad, who is my business partner, he actually worked for free. So that was a really interesting thing about compensation. We already had an existing relationship. And I said, Chad, I don't have money to pay you. And he's like, fine, I'll just work for free. And I trust that you'll take care of me. And I think it's worked out. We're still friends about 15 years later. And he's been working at AppSumo 12 years, which is bonkers. So in terms of the first hire, there's a few things you want to take about. One, go get a first hire if you're making some money. I think it's a great lesson to learn. It's a great practice. Number two, line up their incentives to what you need. And three, I would try to keep compensation low so that you're not really worried about spending money on it and make sure it's the biggest bottleneck in your business. 
Now, the second part of your question was, I have 100% of the equity right now, and I'm thinking about giving away 10%. So I'm a little scared, Hubert, if I'm honest, I'm scared. Is it the right way to approach comp? I don't think there's a right way or wrong way. What I do think is that equity is like a marriage, and you have better be clear <laughs> if you want to marry this person. And I think people give out equity way too easy. I've definitely had a lot of different variations of equity where we gave it out a lot and people didn't appreciate it. And then we didn't give it and people wanted it. And so I think the right balance is don't give out equity right away unless you already have a pre-existing relationship with the person, number one. Two, if you're giving out equity, make sure this is a person you want around you forever. Because we have people on AppSumo.com's cap table, which is the capitalization, the owners of the equity for now 13 years. And have they added a lot to it? No, but I gave them equity in the beginning. And so the main thing I would consider is that if you're like, hey, I really want to work with this person, before you give out equity, make sure you try out the person. The other really, really key thing to do before you give out equity is to make sure that you don't give out the equity immediately. You give out the equity that's called a vesting schedule. And the way it works in a lot of tech companies is a four-year vest, one-year cliff. Now, let me break that down. If I'm going to give you 10% of the company, four-year vest, one-year cliff, 10 divided by four is two and a half. So you get 2.5% of the company, but you don't get the first two and a half unless you make it a year. And that gives you protection, Hubert. So if you have to remove that person, they didn't get any of the equity before the first year. And then after the first year, they get the two and a half percent and they generally get equity every month until four years later, they have all 10%. Now, I wouldn't give out equity right away. I would go on a lot of dates, maybe pay some cash, maybe just give them compensation for increasing your sales. And if you decide you do want to be giving out equity, I think what's really key about giving equity is like, what's the point of it? Because some people have given equity. They're like, I don't care, pay me. Fool. <laughs> and other people were like, just give me all the equity. Like when I worked at Facebook, I just wanted equity because I knew it was going to be a big ass deal. And I was like, just give me all the equity I can get. And I ended up getting fired. So I didn't get it, blah, blah, blah. But if you're giving out equity and you don't plan on selling, so if you give out equity and you don't plan on selling or getting acquired or going public or whatever it is, you need to be clearing the expectations to the people you're giving equity. Because a lot of times at Absolute, I don't know if we'll go public. I don't particularly want to sell. I love my job and I love the people I work with. I love the partners. I love our customers. Like, why would I want to do anything else? So if I'm giving on equity though, and I'm like, yeah, we'll sell and the equity is going to be worth something, that's really just not setting up a great relationship and expectation with the person. So you may not need to give out the equity, but be very clear, is the equity like a form of a distribution? So, hey, if we have profit, whatever percent of equity you have, you're going to get 10% of it or 5% of it. What I would recommend checking out is the guys at Basecamp, 37 Signals, how we pay people at Basecamp. I think if you go to Basecamp, you look up benefits and perks. It's the Basecamp Employee Handbook. Hopefully we can have a link to it in the description and they don't give out equity. They say, Hey, only me and Jason, uh, Jason and, and DHH own the company. We don't give equity, but based on seniority and time that you've been there, we do profit sharing. And guess what? They still own the company. They have control of the company. They don't have to deal with people on the cap table or any of that other kind of stuff, but it's very clear about the incentives that an employee gets for being a part of the company. And so I think that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day is number one, what's the biggest problem you're facing in your business and what is the core role that you can hire, or maybe it's software to help alleviate that. So you will grow the business or save yourself time. Like maybe it's customer support. And then secondly, is equity the right form of compensation? Now I would definitely play around with a lot of other things before you start marrying people that you don't have a great relationship with, but I want to give yourself props for what you've already been able to do. And it sounds like you're on the right path. And I think having a first hire is going to be a great experience for you. You're probably going to make mistakes. Don't get discouraged, but just realize like, wow, this is a cool part of business that I'm learning about myself. And it's going to set me up for a great future. Go get a Hubert. And if you guys are asking questions at okdork.com slash asknoah, make sure you put your URL in that question so I can shout it out as well. I can go check it out when I'm looking at the questions being submitted. Damn, we have like hundreds of questions you guys have submitted. This is awesome. Question number two is from Zach T. How do you decide the allocation of marketing funds to the top, mid, and lower funnel? 
especially when the impact of top funnel campaigns like awareness brand campaigns are difficult to measure. This is something we are currently going in with appsumo.com. So let me break this down into two separate questions. Your second part of the question is a little easier is like top of funnel campaigns like awareness brand campaigns are difficult to measure. That's true, but not necessarily true. You can look up mentions. So you can look at people talking about you on social media. You can see if there's something on search. There are ways that you can actually measure awareness of a campaign. So I wouldn't discount that. The first part, which I think is the more interesting question is like, how do you allocate your funds to the top, middle or bottom? And so what Zach is asking is, let's say you're selling a plant, like you're like, I'm selling plants. Now is my most important thing to get brand new people in to get the people who are already at the site to convert or to get people who've already bought something to buy again. And that is something that we were looking at deeply in AppSumo.com. The simplest way to kind of consider this problem is what is the return I'm spending for a dollar in each of these different parts of the campaign? So top of funnel is getting someone brand new. So middle is someone's already there. They've Maybe they bought something. And lower funnel is either they've already converted uh, and you're trying to get them back. This is generally the way that, that I've experienced it. Now, what you can look at is like, if I spend a dollar on top of funnel, you're probably not going to get a great return because it's brand new. You're going to spend middle funnel. And it's like, oh, pretty good. They're already there. I can get them to convert. And lower funnel is like, they've already bought. I'm doing remarketing. I can get them to buy again. So as you get closer down the funnel, your dollar is probably going to get more valuable. Now, where it actually gets really tricky is that if you're only spending money on the lower part of your funnel, meaning people who've already bought from you, you're doing just remarketing, which we do a lot of at AppSumo, you're never going to get new customers, which is great because like, hey, you got new customers, you're treating them well and you're making money. But if you want to expand the pie of how big your business could be, you need to expand the pie of your top of funnel. So the way I would actually approach this, and this is the way we're doing it at AppSumo, is look at it as a percent of allocation. So at AppSumo.com, we have 25% top, 25% mid, and 50% bottom. And the reason is is because the return on spend from the bottom is just so significantly higher. So of course, we want to do more of that. But over time, what you want to be doing is looking at, all right, well, how are these returns? Because if I get a 1x return on the top of funnel, but I'm getting a 5x return on your bottom, the way I would recommend you doing it is try to target a 3x return on the dollar spent on your bottom of funnel, and then allocate as much money as possible further up the funnel so you can expand the audience that you have available to convert. It's definitely uh, an interesting challenge. We'd have to look at some spreadsheets together. But I think these are these are great questions to be thinking about. I wouldn't say I'm an expert around where these funnels are. I do think, though, if you're spending money on marketing, really what you're asking is, if I'm spending the money, what does my return look like? And how long does it take to actually get that money back? So and if any of y'all have a business out there and you're not doing advertising, I would highly recommend it. Uh, the one trap that I've noticed at AppSumo.com is that we spend a lot of money doing remarketing. And uh, I got to call out one trap to just be mindful of. Is we spend a lot of money. I think right now, and our total marketing spend a month is around half a million dollars between ads and affiliate. And one piece I have to call out is that on the remarketing side, so what does that mean? It means we're spending maybe, let's say, $200,000 a month, and it makes us a million dollars a month uh, in revenue, not profit. So hopefully that based on our margins, that, that's profitable. But what's actually kind of a, a caveat with that is that that $200,000 we're spending, if we didn't spend it, because that, those are already existing customers, would it have been, been possible through an organic way to get them? So could we have gotten them from social? Could we got them from email? Could we got them from word of mouth? Could we got them from just organic where they come directly? And so I do think it's worthwhile in your marketing spend to experiment A-B testing, like maybe don't spend on certain things on the remarketing to see what happens or send more emails and say like, all right, are we actually getting the same amount of revenue, but we're spending way less? So that's just something to be considerate as you're looking through your funnel and your marketing campaigns. One final thing on, on this top of funnel approach is that I generally don't do awareness marketing. We've done some billboards and it's really cool, but the $20,000 that we spent on a billboard, we had a QR code where people could click it. I think we literally got 100 clicks. So I have never been a fan of that, but I do think it's worthwhile if you're in top of funnel, can you measure it in terms of email signups? Or can you measure it in terms of like followers on social media? 
you know, y'all know me. I hope y'all know that I'm a more fan of email than social media. You don't control social media as much as you can control email. So I, I wouldn't be as mindful or as interested personally, unless you're a large brand like Yeti or Nike or Apple in doing brand marketing, I would focus a little bit lower of the top of funnels. I need to get people in the door and get their contact information. Question three, Lisa West Thafer. What a great last name. I am the founder of True Beauty Lashes and her website is inspiretruebeauty.com where I'm clear on the brand story and value proposition, but I need to find a copywriter who can articulate the story in our welcome series and through our website. I know my limitations and writing is one of them. Do you have a process for finding and interviewing contract copywriters that you could share? It feels like such a daunting task to find someone who's a good fit without wasting a ton of time and money testing copywriters out. So any recommendations would be really helpful. So this is interesting. A lot of times the questions people ask is what they want, but not what they need. So Lisa believes that if she can improve her welcome email series and throughout her website. Now, the question really, Lisa, is what's the problem you're trying to solve? So what happens a lot of times in business, and this is including myself, it's like, well, I need to get a copywriter because if I had a better story in our emails and our website, what you're actually really trying to accomplish is you're trying to improve your conversion rate. How do I get my welcome series to convert higher or how do I increase my conversion rate on my website? So I'm checking out your website, inspiredtruebeauty.com. Actually, it looks like you have a pretty good amount of followers on Instagram as well. It's true underscore beauty underscore lashes. Now, really what people need to be thinking about is what is my goal? Okay, so now we're taking a step back here, Lisa. And the goal is actually the really important thing. Like if you're at $100,000 a year and you're like, all right, I want to get to a million dollars a year. Now that's the question of, all right, well, I need to 10x my business. And I would actually now start evaluating, like you're thinking it's the copy, but what are 10 other things you can do? Like, is it doing ads? Is it doing partnerships? Is it adding a new product line? And then from there, I would have a little bit more of a objective evaluation about what is the thing that's really going to change my business to help me get to my goal. Because I'm looking at your copy and I'm not, you know, I don't buy lashes. I actually think I have pretty nice lashes, but you have like trending lash styles. And how do people figure out the difference between these lashes? I have no idea. But I, I would almost challenge you, like, how do you know that a copywriter is going to improve your business? Like what data point or do you have customer sentiment or customer conversations that are saying, hey, I came to your site and I didn't know what to say, so I want to buy it. Now, a lot of times I give people feedback. They're like, thank you for the feedback, Noah. But what I really want is to answer my question. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm trying to tell you what I would do and thinking about it a little bit differently. But if you want a copywriter, let's talk about copy. So first off, what I personally get excited about is I do see on your website, you have a thing for chatting. And when I've done with our website and a lot of the business I do is I love doing live chat and I love talking to customers. And what, you're, what I'm really looking for is what is the language of my customer? What are the questions they're asking me? Go look at your support tickets. Go look at your live chat. Go look at how people are communicating maybe on Reddit or maybe in reviews on Amazon or wherever people are talking about these kind of products, maybe even on Sephora or on a competitor's website. Look at their language, not your language. So that's number one. Number two, the way that I've personally hired copywriters is I just look for people. I enjoy their writing on Twitter or enjoy their writing from their blog or from their newsletter. Maybe they're on sendfox.com. You like that plug right there? And I just reach out to people that I'm like, wow, I really like how you communicate about these things. And so for me, uh, there's a guy named Chris Von Wilpert. I really liked his blog post. So I reached out to him and started working with him. There's a guy named Chris Hedzecki. I don't know how to say his last name. He's on Twitter as well. And I just liked the way he was writing about things. So I reached out, started working with him. I did hire Nikki. So Nikki actually writes a lot of the okdork.com blog. I saw her on a better lemonade stand and she actually applied to help out with my book. And so what I'm really looking for is who's already doing writing online that resonates with me. And I found that if I'm going to like Fiverr or Upwork or Freelancer or any of these kind of sites, it's definitely going to be a harder experience. You can go to like a coach who teaches people copywriting and say, hey, does any of your people specialize in copywriting for females 
or for beauty products and find someone a little bit more targeted for your needs. Uh, and then in terms of how to test them out, what I've always done in roles like this, so if you're doing, and I don't mean this to be me, but lower level roles, if you're doing like a high end like developer role or you're doing a senior manager role, like you can't do this type of hiring uh, or this type of process for your hiring. But what you can do on e roles like this is just have a standard template. And so what I would do is give them whatever your problem is around your copy, like give them your welcome email and say, here's my two welcome emails and what I currently do. I'd love for you to show me how you would think about redoing it. I'm happy to pay you even $25 and I'd like it within seven days or I can do it within 14 days. So I think that's something where just you have a standard process. What you're looking for when you're testing these different people is how can you more objectively compare the results? Can you use their emails in your email sequence? Can you actually like A-B test the emails maybe on a landing page and send your customers to them and actually say like, oh, wow, that actually worked a lot better. Because a lot of times when you're hiring people, if there's a lot of subjectivity in the hiring questions, it makes it really hard to decipher like, all right, well, who should I really choose? And maybe you just use your intuition, but that's generally my preferred way of doing that. The other thing I would really consider, Lisa, is you're talking about a copywriter to change the words on the page, and you're talking to a copywriter to fix your email welcome series. And an email welcome series for everyone that's out there is when someone joins your newsletter, it's the emails they get once they join. So maybe right away, day three, day five, and so forth. So another thing to consider is go and sign up for a bunch of other newsletters. So go to a lot of beauty products, go to a bunch of random ass websites that are not related to it, maybe appsumo.com, or go to okdork.com and join my newsletter. And look at the series of, that people are doing. There's a, a website, Damn Good Emails, I believe it is, reallygoodemails.com. And you can go see a bunch of examples. And you can go see them maybe with other people that you've signed up for their welcome series. Wow, I really like this one specific one. And just reach out to them and say, hey, who's the person that did it? Or go on LinkedIn and find the person who did it and hire them as, as a contractor. That's a lot of the times the way I've found my best people. It's like, what am I already really impressed with? Great, I'm just gonna go get that person. And that's worked out really well many, many times in my career. I love what, that you're doing lashes. I think mean, this is so cool that it's an online business doing it. My only recommendation is maybe instead of a copywriter, think about your biggest problems. The second thing is maybe instead of just a copywriter, think about someone who's maybe an online marketer that can actually think about the holistic, like your email flows, your broadcast campaigns, your email collections, should you be doing rewards? And lastly, if you're doing a copywriter, create a standardized test for everyone. Look for people out there already and figure out how you can test them a little bit more objectively. But great work on this business. This is cool. I like business like this that are probably making, I don't know, six figures, if not more. And people are, it's kind of on the, the DL. So great on you. If you guys have questions that you want answered in any future episode, go to okdork.com slash ask Noah. Y'all know I love you. I hope you enjoy these episodes. It's fun to make them. This is definitely a tougher one. Like the funnel stuff uh, is a little bit more technical and I have to actually go back and look at some of our data to see how we do it. I like Lisa's question where sometimes people are thinking, hey, it's, this is my problem. But it's like, is that actually your problem? And as well as here, like hiring, that's definitely it's the number one way you're going to grow your business. Besides having something people really want, hiring people and using software is how you grow companies. So it sounds like y'all are frankly at really, really great places. Well, that is a wrap of the episode. So if you want more questions, y'all know what to do. Make sure you go subscribe to my newsletter. That's going to be at sendfox.com slash Noah. Also, we have a product called TidyCal. If you guys have not checked out tidycal.com, it's a free online scheduler. So if you're paying monthly for Calendly, do y'all know I hate subscriptions? Come on out. Go to tidycal.com and sign up. Yo, dog, I love you. Let's go put on some eyelashes together. <laughs> uh, let me know what you think of these episodes. Actually, a few of you guys have reached out on Instagram or TikTok or Twitter at Noah Kagan. I do love hearing what y'all think about it. Have a great day. I'm out from Spain. What's your favorite tapas? <laughs> <laughs>